This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Hello, America. Last night, it became official. No questions asked. Donald Trump is now nominee of the Democrat or the uh, Republican Party. Uh, that was that was not intentional. Um, uh, he is uh, the uh, the nominee of the Republican Party in Cleveland. We have one of our men on the floor now. We're going to go to him right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So is is anybody watching the convention? I mean, I watched Monday, and, you know, I wanted to see Melania, and I wanted to see uh, Rudy, Rudy Giuliani and Marcus Luttrell. Last night, I had zero interest. Zero. Did, it, am I alone in that? Are you, pff, uh, yes. No. Yes. Yes. I mean, this is strongly, as you can <laughs> I tell. Can. I mean, that's irresponsible, Glenn. Jeez, uh, you're doing a show here. Republican discussing this actual convention. convention, and it was the night that we got our nominee officially. And I was wrong about one thing. I thought that Donald Trump, because, uh, and I think this is Reince Priebus. I think this is the GOP. Um. I thought Donald Trump knew how to put on a show, and I really thought this would be a spectacle. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's Scott Baio, so it's not really a spectacle. Well, he can only do, you know, his, his, his celebrity friends, of which he's had many over the years. Yeah. I mean, he's been running generally in Democrat circles, so he's had celebrity friends. They ain't showing up to this one. I mean, it's Scott Baio that he ran into. As Scott Baio said, last week they ran into each other and he had no plans of speaking. And now he's, he's, he's one of the guys. I mean, you know, they, they don't tend to, to show up yeah, uh, the, when you're doing it. You're right. Work. And the other celebrity friends, even being paid, is not showing up to this one. I mean, he can't even pay him to show up. Where, where do you get in that? Well, I mean, he said he paid, you know, he gave donations to Hillary to show up at the wedding, right? These other. <laughs> I don't think Hillary's going to show up. I know that, but I'm just saying the celebrities. Yeah. That are, you know, on the Democratic side, even though they're friends with Trump because he's, you know, been buddy-buddy with them and invited him to all these parties. Even if he offered to pay them oh, yeah. to show up to the convention, they're not showing up. So I'm just surprised because it just seems like a, a lackluster kind of, you know, convention. I mean, but, I mean he, you know, Trump, Trump's uh, best feature is his self-promotion right Right. i mean you know as i would you know i think most people seem to recognize his family seems to be doing pretty well i mean out of all of the people those are the people who seem most likable um out of i mean much more than the politicians rudy giuliani was fantastic Uh, 
I mean, he was loud. Is that is that the? Equipment? Oh, I thought that was. I mean, That's when it. he talked about when he talked about when they are called to your house, they don't ask if you're white or black or Hispanic or Chinese. Yeah, I mean, I like I generally um, like know. Rudy Giuliani. I love Marcus. I mean, he was great. I mean, there was there was a few. Uh, there's been there's moments, but I think the family has been kind of the highlight of it. I mean, he's got six family members speaking and the head of the Trump winery, which I can't wait. Right. To. That's that, uh, that, that, today. today. That's today. Yeah. Just, yeah, the general manager, not just yeah, some employee. Yeah, not just some guy. the general manager of the Trump winery. Yeah, so, pretty big. I mean, that's, that's pretty, it's huge. It's, All right, so Michael, <laughs> Michael Opelka is there uh, for the blaze and uh, been on the floor. Hi, Michael. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. I, I didn't realize just how awful it was here. I'm glad you cleared that up for me. <laughs> okay, no, no, so, so, so tell me, because, Michael, you've been to many Republican and Democratic conventions. Tell yes. me what does this feel different? And maybe it's just me uh, and it us. Feel, it feels like it's lacking in in credibility. It feels more like an awards show. It sounds like they're using the same female voice that introduces the presenters before an Academy Awards, and so it, it has a strange tone to it, not gravitas. And then, as you as you guys were just talking about, when you look at the guests. The people who aren't here stand out more than the people who are here. You know, when you've got Kasich, who's somewhere else, and you've got guys like Jeff Flake, a senator from Arizona, saying he has to cut his lawn when we all know he lives in a desert. Uh, right. it, it, really, it really shows you what's going on here or what's not going on. There's, there's definitely not a stamp of approval from a lot of the, uh, a lot of the mainstream GOP. Well, but he's got the general manager of the Trump winery. Well, but he also has assistant general manager. He also has Ted Cruz on tonight. Now, Paul Manafort has said that Ted Cruz. Well, I don't know. Paul Manafort said that Ted Cruz is going to to be part of the campaign halfway through the speech tonight. By the end of the speech, he'll be part of the campaign. I, I don't buy that for a second. I think you can actually place a bet somewhere in Vegas on whether or not Cruz will use the word endorsement tonight or endorse. And he there are not. a lot of people saying he won't. And this will be uh, a kind he of a... He won't. He won't, but he will... I mean, let's just play this out. Michael, you want to be president in 2020. Um, you know that there is going to be a conscience vote. You know that you have the numbers to pull off the conscience vote. But you know you don't have the numbers of people that are going to switch their vote from Donald Trump to win the nomination. Okay, this is just Mm -hmm. all off the top of my head. Um, And you go to the convention and you know there's going to be a conscience vote and you know you can't win. And so the conscience vote passes, which it didn't. It passes. And then somebody like Ted Cruz is in a position of, well, do I open my campaign back up again? And do I say, okay, I I want to run for 2016 and consider me for the ballot, which you wouldn't have a chance of winning. Uh, And I don't think Ted would think that he had a chance of winning. And it would just hack the party. It would split the party in half. I would think that the strategy would be, if you thought the conscience vote was coming, go there, play the bigger man and say, I remove myself from the 2016 running because I think the people have already spoken. But if somebody else wants to do it, like, you know, Scott Walker or somebody else credible, they can fight for those delegates and people should vote for their conscience. But I'm pulling myself out. 
that makes you look like a bigger guy. It makes you look like you're the guy who can bring people together and move the party forward after this. Um, but the conscience vote didn't happen. So how does he win tonight on the stage at all? Well, at I think that's the, that is the gigantic question because he made the plan or agreed to speak well ahead of the, the denial of the conscience vote. Yeah. And I think that that shortcut or short circuited his hopes of saying something different tonight. So it's a, uh, you know him better than I do. I have you talked to him about it? Did, has he given you any indication of what he's going to say? You're the one being interviewed here, Michael. Uh, no, why are you turning? The, 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 I'm here to ask you questions, <laughs> sir, not the other way around. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this is my natural curiosity coming out. <laughs> have you, Glenn? Uh, by the way, <laughs> have you talked <laughs> to you, Ted? Sue, I thank have. You. I have. You have? have. So you know what's going to happen? No, I do not. Okay. Uh, I am not convinced either way. Mm. I've, I have told him, uh, Ted, you know, you, you believe it or you don't. And, and he said, you know, there are, there are positives and negatives both ways for the country. I mean, he's thinking about the country. And he's like... Glenn, you know, uh, we, we've got to hold ourselves together, blah, blah, blah. And then the next sentence is, but I can't. Um, you know, I believe what I believe. But he, I think he's really torn. I have absolutely no idea what he's going to do. Uh, if I were a betting man, I would bet against him saying the words I endorse. But I wouldn't lay my money down on the table that it wasn't some soft, hey, we all need to come together now and... Stop Hillary Clinton. I, yeah, I, and, and that's, I mean, I completely agree that we should stop Hillary Clinton. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong. Yeah, but all coming together now implies we all have to vote for behind her. Trump. Behind Trump. Maybe it implies that. I, I mean, I, I, we all come together behind principles. We still need the House and the Senate. There's a lot of things to come together about that. Actually, if he are, said that. We all have to come together and make sure the down ticket wins, the House and the Senate. I'm going to concentrate on the House and the Senate. Mm. Um, then maybe you could get away with it because he wouldn't be alone. I mean, Ben Sass is pretty, pretty. Uh, it, you know, Mike Lee does not seem to be anywhere close. As you pointed out, Jeff Flake is not doing it. I mean, Ben Sass said he was going to take a tour of dumpster fires instead of coming to the convention. I mean, well, uh, I, don't, I don't think Olympia, they, I don't, he wouldn't be alone. Olympia Snow yesterday said she's con- still considering voting for Hillary Clinton or writing in someone else, but she has not and probably can't endorse Trump. So you've got a huge block of people that just can't do it. And maybe well, it's if, Olympia if Snow. The- I mean, I think she probably voted for the Clintons all the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she said she's always voted for her party's nominee, which I thought was an interesting way to dance around it. Because was she ever a Democrat? I have to look that up. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting, interesting statement. But maybe Ted gets up there tonight, Glenn, and does focus on the down ballot issues and keeping people together as opposed to making a full-on endorsement. That, I think, could save him and, like you said, look forward to 2020. Because outside of that room, you don't hear much enthusiasm for, for the Trump campaign. I'm not hearing it here, especially on the streets, because there's just a bunch of protesters here as well. So there's not a lot of love for Mr. Trump in various corners of the general population. Well, but there wasn't a lot of love for George W. Bush at the convention I went to in New York City years ago in 2006. You know, there wasn't a lot of love for for him at that point because it's all protesters in little cages. It's bizarre. The convention is a very surreal thing. 
Uh, that's a great point. As you get into the floor, it becomes a totally different thing than you're seeing on television. And you guys brought up something earlier about Trump not knowing how to put on a show. Two nights in a row, they've missed the opportunity to have the drop the mic and walk off stage moment. Melania should have been in Monday night, as you said. Right. And last night, I thought, should have been Don Jr. Yeah, did you Those see this? Uh, Michael, was it was it the same thing as, as day one in which because I, I saw reports of this, but I didn't I, you know, I didn't see too much of it. W- was there a situation where after the, the Trump kid, you get everyone, everyone leaves and then there's still a couple more speeches? Pretty much. It's the same thing. And you've got so you know, an, a soap opera actress coming out. And granted, she gave a nice speech, but people had left. People were out on the streets or headed to parties. And pretty much once New York, New York and the kick line ended in the in the floor area among the delegates, people started going out because they just had other places to go. It was well, unless your state had voted yet. I mean, Jody Ernst was was royally screwed on Monday night. I mean, absolutely. You know, and she's supposed to be a rising star. They, you know, why? Why are you going to I put the winery guy at the end of the night tonight if you're yeah. going to continue doing this? I was disappointed I missed him. I thought he was tonight, but he was last night. Right. No, the winery guy is today. Okay. Yeah, and just so you know, Michael, because, uh, mm. I mean, you, you might think it's the assistant general manager. It is a female oh, general yeah. manager of the wine company. Full-on general manager. and Yeah, full-on general manager. Yeah. Oh, thank so, you. Well, that's yeah. good to know. <laughs> and it is the largest winery in northern Virginia. Oh, wow. Wow. In all, all of, all of northern, northern Virginia? Virginia. <laughs> I believe so. Maybe it's all of Virginia. But, and, you know, Virginia wow. is known for its wines, isn't it? Uh-huh. I'm not a wine guy, but that, I do know that Virginia is known for its wine. I mean, wine country. don't we all know that? That's where Napa well, Valley think, is, right? You yeah. think well, wine no, country, you it's think a little Virginia. west of that. <laughs> it is. It's just west of North Virginia. Well, it's also yeah. east of that. Uh, well, it's both. If that uh, means it's right in another in continent. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. If uh, if you are in Russia or in China, it's just east of it. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, Michael, thank you very much. Uh, thank tonight, you, gentlemen. You bet. A brand new custom blinds. Easiest, most affordable way to give your home an entire facelift. And in the summer heat, it'll save you a lot of money on your electric bill. At blinds.com, they'll walk you through measuring and installation every step. And you get a free design consultation if you want it. It's free. It's $200 worth. Free samples. By the way, Glenn, before you go on, the the, uh, the idea that uh, the um, the blinds save you money on electricity is absolutely true. Especially, I mean, if you live in Texas... Because we just had them installed with Blinds.com. It's only 157 degrees outside. It's 157 degrees outside all the time, even even in the middle of the night. But during the day, when the sun is beating down, we have these, like, large windows that we put uh, the blinds on in, like, the, the sort of, like, a family room. Mm-hmm. And it, you just get a huge difference. You don't have to run the air conditioner nearly as much to keep it at normal human temperatures, which is fairly rare in the state. Uh, now through August 2nd, you can save 20% on your entire order. Go to blinds.com and use the promo codes BECK. That's promo codes BECK at blinds.com, where you get free samples, free shipping, free expert advice, and a buttload of savings on your energy bill. Save 20% now through August 2nd at blinds.com, promo code BECK. Uh, rules and restrictions may apply. Visit blinds.com for details. At our most basic level, we are all afraid of something. Progressives exploit these fears by offering us solutions based on lies and a hunger for power and control. Get the truth with Liars, a new book by Glenn Beck, available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 
You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. I am a big fan of disruptive ideas, and this year, Casper Mattresses is on the top of my list. Hi, it's Glenn Beck, and I love sleeping on my Casper mattress. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at an unbelievably fair price. It combines springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. And better yet, it breathes so you don't wake up drenched in sweat. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your home. And if you don't love it, they're going to pick it up and refund everything. Imagine that, a company so confident that their product is what you want, that they'll offer a 100% refund. Made in America, with free shipping and returns to U.S. and Canada. Get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash glen and use the promo code glen. Terms and conditions do apply. Go to casper.com slash glen, casper.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Huge, huge shakeup at Fox uh, yesterday. Yeah. Huge. Wow. Um, a what could be a mighty blow for conservative uh, voices. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. Do we even know what's really happening at this point? Not really. No. Uh, everybody seems to be in agreement he's leaving. Um, whether or not they've reached that $40 million golden parachute agreement uh, is in dispute. It was reported early yesterday, and then it went away. Yeah. And then uh, they talked about in. I mean, there's been all just... A flurry of information that you don't know what's. If right. you haven't heard, we're talking about Roger Ailes' exit uh, from Fox News. He is the one who's, you know, he's the architect of yeah, built it uh, sure. of Fox News. Yeah, it's. I mean, he is. He's a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the one of the smartest men I've ever met. Would you agree with that, guys? He yeah, I mean, plays three-dimensional chess while everyone else is learning how to play tiddlywinks. <laughs> I mean, you don't even graduate to checkers yeah, around him. Smart. Yeah, he's really smart. Um, and and uh, uh, a fierce protector of whatever it is he believes in. Uh, and it is because he has built a ferocious, ferocious machine um, that you have been able to protect the voice of Fox for as long as you have. Yeah, you don't want to be on the other side of that machine. No, you no. don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, and Not good. And many people have felt the other side of that machine. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and we don't need to get into any of that because I don't no. know what other people's businesses. You know, I don't know. I don't know what happened with Gretchen Carlson. I, I know that Gretchen is a, a good person. I I don't have any reason to doubt her. Megan Kelly came out and uh, said some things that um, actually didn't come under out. under report under yeah under seal in an investigation. In a report, she came out and said some things, and that's apparently when that was learned. That's when. The Murdoch said he's got to go. That's a double-edged sword. Um, Boy, no kidding. And there's a lot of reporting on this. We don't know yet what 
Exactly. I don't know what's happening. And we may never know, to be honest. Right. With and I don't know who's who would replace him. I mean, Bill Shine is the guy who is number two in command. He's a very likable guy, a very good guy. I mean, smart. He's been there forever. I mean, mm-hmm. Bill is the logical guy to replace, but I don't know. Well, with these uh, Murdoch sons, who knows? It might bring in somebody who's... Not well, I don't think they will. I don't I think, think so. they will, and here's why. Think of this. This this one stat is enough to shut that down. Um, Fox News, just Fox News, is 20% of the profit right. of 21st Century Fox. Yeah, didn't they... Didn't they- now think. I want you to think about that. I think that's, they netted that's Fox, that's, two billion dollars last year. That is Fox. Um, that's Fox Movie Studios. That's Fox okay. Television. Right. That's Fox Everything. The one division of news is twenty percent of their profit margin, and it's the one that is mocked by all the rest of Fox. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which and they're the ones amazing. that are honestly they're the ones that are carrying a lot of the right. other divisions. Oh yeah. So um, yeah. I, I before people flush down. Twenty percent of their earnings, I'm sorry, of their profits. Yeah, uh, you have a second look at it. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> maybe even um, a third before you throw it. Maybe third or fourth. I mean, I don't. I, I think they would like to flush it down the toilet, yeah, but I don't I think, so too. think that they will. Um, Stupid. But it, you know the stuff that you're reading about. You know they have a contract. You know all these guys. Well, Bill O'Reilly could leave, and Sean Hannity could leave. No way. Uh, look, they're saying this because each of them have in their contract a key man clause because Roger Ailes is instrumental and everyone knew. I mean, I had a key man clause in mine. I said, I'm not coming here. I don't know. You're you're an older guy and you are Fox News. If you leave, who are they going to replace you with? I want to not I don't want to be locked into something where I'm sitting here and somebody from CNN comes in and changes this as a msnbc you know television station and so everybody has that that doesn't mean that they're going to leave mm-hmm. um uh, but it is a it's a bizarre story but it does change the political landscape and i'll explain a little later on this is the glenn beck program mercury Is the Glenn Beck program. Here's Donald Trump uh, last night. Donald Trump Jr. last night. A president who won't use the highest office in the land as a path to personal enrichment. A president who's actually created real jobs, who has actually signed the front of a paycheck, and who doesn't just talk about it in theory. A president who has real people's families and livelihoods dependent on his success and the success of his company for decades. A president who speaks his mind, and not just when it behooves him to do so, who doesn't have to run a focus group or use data analytics to be able to form a simple opinion, who says what needs to be said, not just what you want to hear. 
Listen to this. Listen to this. Everything else, stop. Everything else he was just saying was there's a little group of cheerleaders in the front. But once he says, a guy who doesn't need a focus group, listen, the crowd starts to cheer and it builds through the next one. A guy who just says, says it like it is. I mean, that's what people are looking for with Donald Trump. A guy who just says it and doesn't care. I mean, honestly, it, 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 we are to a point to where we don't even care if it's right. We just want to know that that's, he's, saying what he's, he's saying what he means. And he's saying he doesn't care about the consequences. That's an amazing thing. Because there was not a buildup of somebody who can actually turn the economy around. That they're, they're not cheering on that. But when he starts on, but he says what he means, it shows how much we distrust everyone in Washington. Greatness in our nation and in all of us who will give the hardworking men and women who built this great country a voice once again. That president can only be my mentor, my best friend, my father, Donald Trump. And when we elect him, we'll have done all that. We'll have made America great again, greater than ever before. I mean, that's terrible. It's just bad. Uh, this is a. I think for his son. I mean, this is what convention. I. But this is what I expect. I don't know. RNC. Yeah, this is what I expected, and that's what we're getting. It's terrible. I expected terrible. We're getting terrible. It's just. I didn't expect issue. terrible. I kind of did because I, I don't know that he's that big a showman. He's just like what you said. People like he's that he's outrageous. I don't know that he has any extra uh, special. I don't know. I thought he knew production how to, qualities. I, I've I never thought seen he knew that how to. Um, you know, he knows how to create suspense, but he walked out on day number one. Yeah. Uh, there, so there's no suspense. Yeah. There's no buildup for him walking out. That, that right. I mean, you know, the, he, he, he let the air out of the tire um, on day one. And I, I don't have a problem with his children speaking and what they're it's, saying. because It's fine. It's just bad. I mean, go ahead and let him speak. But you're not getting was, anything substantive. No, you're not getting anything substantive. But from anybody. You're not, because there is no substance to Donald Yeah, you're not, you're not hearing it. I mean, play 368. Here's Mitch McConnell and his reception. Yeah. Please give a warm welcome to the majority leader of the United States Senate, the Honorable Mitch McConnell of Kentucky. <laughs> Listen to that. Wow. That's like a hockey game. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. Uh, there's a good amount of booze there. A large amount of booze. Now, the guy who tore it up last night was Chris Christie. Uh, he started with, let's do something fun tonight. Now, she was America's chief diplomat. So let's look around the world at the violence and the danger today in every region that has been infected by her flawed judgment. But I'm going to be specific so that you can render your verdict tonight on the basis of the facts. Let's go to North Africa. She was the chief engineer of the disastrous overthrow of Gaddafi in Libya. Mm -hmm. Libya today, after Hillary Clinton's grand strategy, 
Their economy's in ruins. There's death and violence on the streets. And ISIS is now dominating that country. So I'm going to ask you this. Hillary Clinton, as a failure for ruining Libya and creating a nest for terrorist activity by ISIS, answer me now, is she guilty or not guilty? In Nigeria, Hillary Clinton amazingly fought for two years to keep an al-Qaeda affiliate off of the terrorist watch list. Now, what happened because of this reckless action by the candidate who is the self-proclaimed champion of women all around the world? These al-Qaeda terrorists abducted hundreds of innocent young women two years ago. These schoolgirls are still missing today. And what was the solution from the Obama-Clinton team? A hashtag campaign. So now let's figure it out. Let's decide. Hillary Clinton, as an apologist for an al-Qaeda affiliate in Nigeria, resulting in the capture of innocent young women, is she guilty or not guilty? See, she fights for the wrong people. She never fights for us. She doesn't get the real threats that America faces. So now let's go to China. In China, Hillary Clinton praised the Chinese government for buying our debt to finance Barack Obama's bloated stimulus plan. She was so desperate for Chinese cash, she promised to oppose the Buy American provision in the stimulus bill in exchange for the cash to finance a huge expansion of federal government spending. So, Hillary Clinton putting big government spending financed by the Chinese ahead of good paying jobs for middle class Americans, is she guilty or not guilty? I'm kind of surprised at the verdict each time. It's been each guilty, time, I, guilty on every charge. It's yeah. almost overwhelming. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's, like, and it's different than the uh, investigation they it did is on different. these topics. Yeah, they, they seem to On this agree. particular night, she's been guilty on every charge. I was kind of expecting so James Comey to ask for a chant during that press conference, but he never did. <laughs> he never did. Yeah, weird. No. Let's go to Syria. Okay. Let's go. In Syria, imagine this. She might be innocent here. She might be, the FBI she might be not guilty on the Syria thing. We'll have really? To, you think? Uh, maybe. I mean, they, so he goes on like that for 15 minutes. And makes a very... She was guilty on every charge. Oh, my gosh. And yet, she still roams free today. Is this even news? I mean, he's a... Pro- I don't know if you know this. He's a federal prosecutor. Federal prosecutor. Former federal prosecutor. He was put into place, if I'm not mistaken, right around a, an important date. Yeah, I think history. it was July 4th, uh, <laughs> 1776. Two cops were just targeted again in New York. They were walking their precinct, um, dark-colored sedan with tinted windows, slowly approached them, made a statement about getting them, and proceeded to fire shots at the officers. Vehicle was occupied by four male blacks, fled the scene, and was dumped in the, in the confines of the 67th precinct. Perpetrators uh, are still at large. Our, um, our prayers are with the police officers. Jeez. Again, Yesterday, we lost another police officer. The one in Kansas City? The one in Kansas City. Yeah. I mean, I... I, It's unbelievable. These are assassinations. And and how many people have to die? How many people have to die? You know, I said 
years ago, 1968 is coming, and if you want to fully repeat history, all that's lacking are the assassinations, and here they are. These officers are being targeted, executed, assassinated. And can we just, can we just think here for a minute about the families And not the ones who have died, but the families who today at the breakfast table had to say goodbye to their husband or their mother or their, uh, or their uh, child. Yeah, you think about that nine-year-old girl who said goodbye to her dad in Dallas. Imagine what those children, they're hearing it on the playgrounds. You know they're hearing it on the playgrounds. Mm-hmm. You know they're seeing it in the news. You know they're hearing the whispered tension between mom and dad. And you know that mom and dad have said to them, don't worry. Imagine what all of the children of all of our police officers are going through every night. Imagine the nightmares that they are having that their dad is not coming home tonight. And this is only going to get worse. Imagine the tension in the homes. Imagine the tension. You know cops just are just, most of them are just like um, military. They're not going to leave their brethren out there. They're not going to leave. They're in need. They're, not going, they're watching their back. They want to be there for their brothers. And imagine the wives who are saying, you got to quit, honey. you got to quit. I can't quit, honey. If I quit, who's going to stand the line? And the fathers that are having to look at their children, hearing their wife, beg them, please, retire, get out, do something else. Looking at their children who are trying to hide their fear that they're not going to see dad, and then going out on the streets and... People treating them like garbage. Turning on television and seeing the President of the United States say what he says. See Hillary Clinton at the DNC hold up a a, a guy who the left has held up as a hero who all of the cops have been cleared of any wrongdoing. And they're bringing mom in to speak at the DNC. What do you feel like if you're a cop today? What do you feel like if you're a spouse of a cop? I know my children, and I don't face any of this. I know my children. Dad, stop. Stop doing it. Stop. I don't face this. These guys are being assassinated. They really honestly don't know. They're walking down the street. They get out of their car. They go to buy a cup of coffee. They go to stop somebody. They're called for assistance. And we don't have anybody... We don't have anybody really truly leading the charge on this. 
It's despicable what our president is doing. And quite honestly, it's despicable what the media is doing. When they're going back and forth and they're, look, are there problems in the black communities? Are there problems in the white communities? Yes. Are there problems in government and media? Yes. Are there problems in the police department? Yes. But is nobody in the media willing to stand up and say, we can't have any kind of conversation? No conversation. If you can't say enough with the violence, if you can't say, can you imagine if the Tea Party would have said any of the stuff that Black Lives Matter has said, the, 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 the leaders of it? Can you imagine if we would have said any of the, the, just one line that has been said by the Black Panthers, one line that was said by Louis Farrakhan, can you imagine? And then if the Koch brothers would have, would have funded that movement where the leaders were saying that thing, like George Soros has funded Black Lives Matter, can you imagine one police officer being killed? One like white on rice. Now, this has nothing to do with the double standard of politics. This has everything to do with the double standard of humanity. Where is your humanity? You people in the media, you politicians, shame on you. These are the guys that protect your ass every day. These are the guys that will get shot before you get shot. And you don't have the balls to stand up and say this is obscene. Shame on you. Are you prepared for what's ahead? Because we're here, gang, and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Then it will get better. But man, when we lance this boil, all kinds of poison is going to come out. Please, do the things that you need to do to be prepared to take care of your family. No matter what happens. I want you to go to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. And right now you get four weeks of food for only $99. That's 50% off the regular price. That means one person eats breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a month for 100 bucks. That's crazy. Somebody loses their job, you're okay. Do it now. Prepare with Glenn.com. 1-800-200-7163. 1-800-200-7163. Or online now with preparewithglenn.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. We have, a, um, we have a couple of things, uh, some stories I want to tell you about what people have done in their own area to help police officers. And if you want to help the families of these police officers, we're collecting funds. 100% of the proceeds go to the families 
of the fallen police officers, you can donate now at mercuryone.org, mercuryone.org. Coming up, more on Hillary Clinton, episode two of our series on the crimes and corruption of Hillary. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Well, it was a one-trick pony. Last night at the RNC, Chris Christie made the case Hillary Clinton is a criminal. Mm, how could you possibly reject that? If you listen to this show, we've argued that case many, many times over, wow, going into our third decade now. This week, we're covering all of the scandals in detail. Yesterday, you learned about Whitewater. But today, we begin their trials and tribulations in the White House. We start there, part two of our four-part series on Hillary Clinton's corruption, right now. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Bill and Hillary Clinton burst into the national consciousness during the presidential election campaign of 1992. Up until that point, very few people outside of Arkansas had ever heard of them. Bill Clinton was young, considered good-looking, hip, and knew how to appeal to youthful voters as he proved on a show called Arsenio Hall, where he played the saxophone. With his supportive wife, Hillary, on his side, Clinton came out of nowhere to win the presidency, something that a year earlier seemed virtually impossible with the incumbent president, George H.W. Bush, at about 90% approval rating following the first Gulf War. But their days in Arkansas, embroiled in the Whitewater scandal, the affairs and questions about Hillary's association with the firm where she had been a partner, and the legality of some of her actions there, continued to haunt them. Among other things, there were questions of conflict of interest regarding state business and that same politically connected and powerful Rose Law Firm in Little Rock. Clinton argued the questions were moot because all of the transactions with the state had been deducted before determining the pay Hillary received from the firm. But more questions and concerns arose when Bill Clinton announced that, with Hillary, voters would be getting two presidents for the price of one, a promise at which many Americans balked. Since the American citizens don't have the opportunity to vote two-for-one presidential specials, but those questions and concerns were overcome. But Hillary and the newly elected president's scandals certainly didn't end there or at the Arkansas border. Freshly moved into their accommodations at the White House in Washington, D.C., they allegedly began illegally obtaining FBI files on their enemies, almost exclusively Republicans, but also others who happened to get in their way. This became known as Filegate, 
and it was first discovered by the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee as they were investigating Hillary's Travelgate scandal. The committee found that the FBI files had been improperly accessed by Craig Livingstone, a former bar bouncer Hillary had hired to work in the White House Counsel's office. However, Hillary blew the scandal off as, quote, completely honest bureaucratic snafus, end quote. Investigators eventually accepted her explanation and dropped it. As for Travelgate, Bill had taken office in January of 1993, and in May, seven employees of the White House Travel Office were suddenly fired. This action was unusual because, while staff employees serve at the pleasure of the president and could be dismissed without cause, in practice, such employees usually remain in their posts for many years. The White House stated the firings were done because financial improprieties in the travel office operation during previous administrations had been revealed by an FBI investigation. Others, however, contended the firings were done to allow friends of the First Lady, Hillary Rodham Clinton, to take over the travel business and that the involvement of the FBI was unwarranted. Heavy media attention forced the White House to reinstate most of the employees in other jobs and remove the Clinton associates from the travel role. Bill was cleared by an independent counsel, Kenneth Starr, in 1998 of any involvement in Travelgate. But Hillary was found to have played a central role in their firings. She was also caught lying about her involvement in it. However, again, no action was ever taken against her. Hillary spoke to Barbara Walters in 1996 about Travelgate. A 1993 memo by a former White House aide, David Watkins, was made public in which he says that you were responsible for the firing of seven people in the White House travel office because you wanted to have an Arkansas uh, travel agency take its place. And there would have been nothing illegal about you doing that. But you have said you had no idea how the decision was made and that you had nothing to do with it. That's Is he lying? Well, I think what is fair to say is that I did voice concern about the financial mismanagement that was discovered when the president arrived here in the White House travel office. I think that everyone who knew about it was quite concerned and wanted it to be taken care of. But I did not make the decisions. I did not direct anyone to make the decisions. But I have absolutely no doubt that I did express concern because I was concerned about any kind of financial mismanagement. Also in 1993, a religious cult known as the Branch Davidians, led by David Koresh, were suspected of weapons violations. So President Clinton's Attorney General Janet Reno sent the ATF to raid their compound in Waco, Texas, in an attempt to serve a warrant. In the ensuing gun battle, four government agents were killed along with six Branch Davidians. That gave rise to a 51-day siege of the compound. On the final day of the siege, the FBI launched an attack on the Davidians, firing tear gas canisters into the home to attempt to drive Koresh and his supporters out. This is when a fire erupted that killed 76 men, women, and children, including Koresh himself. Questions remain on how the fire began, but a government investigation in 2000 concluded it was started by the Davidians themselves. Facts that we know now indicate that the FBI did not set that fire. That fire was set by David Koresh and the people in that building. It was a terrible tragedy that came on the heels 
of federal agents being killed, just murdered. We've got to put it in perspective, realizing that as we do, it is still vitally, critically important that we pursue every aspect of the investigation. 1993 was quite a year for the Clinton White House. Hillary's close friend and deputy White House counsel, Vince Foster, with connections to both Whitewater and the Travelgate scandals, was found dead on July 20th from a fatal gunshot wound to his mouth. His death was ruled suicide. Federal investigators were not allowed into Foster's office immediately after his death. But White House aides were. That gave rise to speculation that the files and or evidence were removed. After Ken Starr ruled Foster's death a suicide, one of his key investigators claimed the ruling had been predetermined and said the crime scene had been altered and stories about the event killed. Barbara Walters discussed the tragedy with Hillary. You know there is the reoccurring rumor about you and Vince Foster. What was your relationship with him? Oh, he was one of my dearest friends, Barbara. He was a colleague. He was a partner. He'd been a friend of my husband's since they were boys of four or five years of age, and I miss him. You know, there is then this whole business after his suicide of whether you tried to um, have records removed or have them examined before they were shown uh, to the Justice Department. And you have said that you uh, did nothing to uh, impede the investigation into his death, had no concern over access to the documents in his office. You know, I want to be very clear about this. Okay. There were no documents taken out of Vince Foster's office on the night he died, and I did not direct anyone to interfere in any investigation. In the mid-1990s, Hillary allegedly had a brainstorm. Bill needed money for his re-election campaign, and the Chinese had money. Lots of money. The Chinagate fundraising scheme was hatched. Chinagate is perhaps the most underrated, unknown, and yet disastrous scandals in all of American history. It involved the transfer of America's most sensitive technology secrets, including, but not limited to, nuclear missile and satellite tech, apparently in exchange for millions of dollars in contributions to the Clinton campaign effort and the DNC. The allegation is that Hillary came up with the plan for the administration to sell seats on its taxpayer-funded trade missions in exchange for contributions. During those missions, the Chinese gained access to vital and secret American technology. The case was so serious and so damaging that the Commerce Department asked for a judgment against itself to avoid any further revelations. The court refused and insisted the Commerce Department conduct a new search for trade mission records and authorize discovery into the illegal concealment and destruction of government records. Congressional investigations, FEC investigations, a criminal inquiry by the Justice Department, and the FBI followed. The DOC eventually changed its trade mission policy, which abandoned all political contributions affecting mission seats. During the investigation by the Department of Justice, about 120 people connected to Chinagate either fled the country or pleaded the fifth to prevent testifying. Clinton friend Ya Lin Charlie Trey pleaded guilty to charges of violating campaign finance rules in exchange for having pended indictments dropped against him in Washington and Arkansas. 
According to news reports in 1997, Democratic donor Johnny Chung received a $150,000 transfer from the Bank of China three days before he handed then First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton's chief of staff a $50,000 check. President Clinton admitted in 1997 that he invited major campaign donors to spend the night in the White House. The Clintons hosted 404 overnight guests. Judicial Watch brought a lawsuit on behalf of the shareholders of Laurel Space and Communications Limited. Laurel had transferred sensitive U.S. missile technology to China in the 1990s. The CEO, Bernard Schwartz, gave $1.5 million to various Democratic Party entities, including Bill Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign. At the same time, Schwartz and Laurel convinced the Clinton administration to transfer technology export licensing authority from the State Department to a more politically influenced Commerce Department. Schwartz and Laurel then obtained licenses from the Commerce Department that were needed to launch Laurel Manufactured Communication Satellites into orbit from China. Yet, as always, friends, acquaintances, and the United States of America paid a hefty price. But Hillary and Bill came away unscathed. It's interesting to note that finally in 2006, without notice or without fanfare, an appellate court upheld an award of $900,000 to Judicial Watch for attorney's fees and costs from the trial. Where there is billowing smoke, there is apparently never any fire, at least if the Clintons are connected, except when other women are involved, which we will cover in the next episode. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right. Now this. $13 trillion. That is the total amount of government bonds in the world that now have negative yields. That means people are so freaked out that they know that their money cannot really last in stocks because that's a bubble. They don't believe that it will um, uh, is safe in banks because the banks will take it. They are so freaked out that they will buy bonds that actually lose money over time. You know, you're, used to buy a twenty dollar. Yeah, used to buy a you know a hundred dollar savings bond. You know, for because over fifty years it's worth I don't know one hundred and twenty dollars. Not anymore. Now that hundred dollar savings bond with negative yields. That $100 savings bond will be worth $90. This is insane. $13 trillion of global money is now in negative interest rate uh, government bonds. That's, 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 let me give you a hint. In February 2015, that number was $3.6 trillion. So we have, we have gone up 10 trillion dollars in one year you think maybe the people with money have any clue as to what's coming you look at what's happening in the stock market stock market keeps going up and up and up Stu, do you remember that chart i showed you the other day where the stock market where you look at the um the real investment before government stimulus Mm, and you look at the and it's all down 
Yeah, so investors, uh, in, regular investors, funds, everything was down, only government in, uh, investment. Only free, when you put in the, um, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the Federal Reserve, and I think there was another one, all of that went from this valley below the line of losing stocks, uh, stocks losing money, to the giant peak that we're at now. This is all funny money. This is all. This is this. This isn't real. None of this is real. Pat and I were talking before we went on the air. I think it was Pat. Um, we were talking before we went on the air that um, we didn't. Rec- we d- we played with the Fed's money after the bond. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the dot com bubble. So we didn't really crash after dot com. Then we had the two thousand one crash. We put funny money into it, and we didn't do it. Then. We had the crash of 07, but we propped that up falsely. We are now seven years past that. We should be in, we should have been past a recovery and now in another recession because they're cycles. They happen. We're not in a recession now. We, we have put a bandit, we have a brain tumor, a financial brain tumor. And we've been taking stronger and stronger medicine to make the headache go away. We're now on heroin. The brain tumor is going to kill the body because we have, we have been ignoring the real problem. It's going to come crashing down. Please. Please hear me. There are times that I don't think that what we do makes a difference at all, but I know we made a difference in the last crash. I know people who saved their entire retirement funds because they listened to me. I am not a financial guy. I'm not a financial expert. I'm wrong on the timing. But you see the, you've seen, if you listen to the show and you've watched the show, you know, was there anybody else talking about the summer of rage and the return of 1968? Four years ago, was there anyone that was talking about that there's going to be riots in the streets and they'll be shooting and killing each other in cities all across America? Is there anybody else that said everything has already happened except assassinations and you're going to see assassinations on our streets? I didn't think it was going to be cops, but that's what's happening to us. I don't know who gets in. I could be the biggest Trump supporter. I I would have said this to you. If, if Ted Cruz were getting into office, and I did say it to him, Ted, you, why would you want to be president? The next president is going to be a lot like Abraham Lincoln. We are going through massive turmoil coming up. And the shoe that has to fall and will fall because none of this is working. We keep coming up with stronger and stronger antibiotics and the bugs get stronger and stronger. Eventually, antibiotics don't work. That's what's happening with the Fed and the bailout from the, for the banks and the, and the QEs that have been happening. Please call Goldline. Do your homework today. Don't wait another day. Call Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE. Call them now, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com.
program. Mercury. Welcome to the program. So glad that you are here today. Can we uh, can we go to um, thank you, buddy. Chris Christie? Thank you. Thank you can buddy. we go to Chris Christie talking to MSNBC um, about prosecuting Hillary when we come back? Um, it kind of some interesting. It's really interesting to watch the media and their unbelievable double standard. Monday night it was I can't believe they have the mother of Benghazi. Yet they're going to have a Black Lives Matter. Uh, anti-cop mother on uh, with a DNC. Uh, the the double standard is incredible. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Let's go to Chris Christie on MSNBC with, you know, I, I want to make sure everybody, and I know you do, but I want to make sure that you are equipped to handle this. I don't know if you saw what Steven Spielberg said yesterday, but he is blaming conservatives for the shootings on the streets now. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's the, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And he said it overseas, I think, not thinking that we would see it. Um, but he said, um, in essence, it's conservatives. Conservatives are upset because they're trying to hold on to their past. And they're dragging us back into the past when people want to move forward. And, but the good news is there's going to be an election in November. And all of that's going to change. And we'll be able to move forward. He's basically talking about Congress, the White House, uh, and the Senate being lost. And he said, so we're finally going to be able to move forward. I, I want to make sure you, you, you understand <clears throat> that, that you can explain this to your friends. The question from MSNBC is, do you think prosecuting Hillary is uniting, uniting the country? Well, um, n- no. If you're looking at this as politics and a game of winning and losing. But do you think, for instance, your child uh, is misbehaving and you have tried everything. You tried everything. And uh, now... Uh, you are down to some stern action. And you are like, Bobby, come in right now. Sit down. Dad, I don't want... Sit down. Now listen to me. I've had enough 
You're old enough to understand X, Y, and Z. We have helped you choose between X and Z. We have reasoned with you. We have shown you the path. And you know what's the difference between right and wrong, do you not? Do you not know your behavior is, is, is not appropriate? Well, yeah, Dad, but you don't... Okay. Am I building... Do you think that you are building a unifying relationship with your son right now? Do you think you're being closer to him right now by that? Do you, do you think you are building love and tolerance? with? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if I have to turn him over my knee and spank him, yep, I do. Today? No. No, I don't. Right now? No. Mm-mm. No. He's not going to like me at that moment. He's not going to like to hear the truth because it requires him to live by the rules. And he doesn't want to live by the rules right now. Our kids test us all the time. And if you don't understand that, you're a new parent. All kids do all the time is to find out where your boundaries are. How far can I push them? What can I get away with? That's, that's their job as kids. That's in their nature as kids. Push the boundaries, push the boundaries, push the boundaries. Your job is to show them the boundaries and, show, and, and put a saddle on them without breaking them. You, a, a horse is, is, is no good for anything if he's constantly bucking and biting and kicking. You have to tame the horse, but you don't want the horse to, you don't want to break the horse's spirit because that spirit is what char- has him charge up a mountain, go on the side where no other horse will go. That's the secret. But you have to have a relationship where the horse understands, your child understands, there are boundaries, things that are unacceptable. So when MSNBC and everybody is saying, look at this, they're just trying to divide the country. No, no. Do I think Black Lives Matter saying that white people have a lot to learn is dividing the country? No. Do I think Black Lives Matter saying white people are wrong honky crackers that need to be killed is dividing the country? Yes. Do I believe a white person saying, you know, well, okay, I got that. White people need to learn uh, some things, but black people also need to learn some things from white people. We need to have a conversation. Do I believe that's dividing the country? No. Um, Do I believe a white person saying, stop killing the cops? We don't kill cops and we don't shoot unarmed black people. We don't shoot people, period, unless they're a threat to your life or someone else's life. We don't shoot them. Stop it. Is that dividing the country? No, that is speaking truth. Is it being divisive by saying, I don't trust this person. This person is bad. Look at this person's record. Look at what Hillary Clinton is doing. Look at what she has done. She was for the overthrow of Libya. Did that work out or did that lead to ISIS? 
She campaigned. She pushed for it. We came. We saw. He died. Add laugh track. She, they were running guns under her watch in Benghazi, and then she let people die. She lied to the American people about her, uh, about her server. She lied to us. Anyone else would have gone to jail. Anyone else would have gone to jail. The only reason why people don't, are willing to talk about Benghazi, well, it doesn't matter anyway. It's because you're playing politics. That's the only reason. The only reason you don't care is because you're just playing politics or you have surrendered to a place where you're like, they're all like that. Well, they're all like that because both sides accept it. I can only take care of my side and my circle of influence. I can only shame my side so much. Guys, what are we doing? These aren't our principles. Let's not go down that road. Well, if you're going down that road, I'm not going with you. Where are the Democrats that are saying the same thing? Benghazi does matter. We are Americans. We don't leave people behind. We don't lie to Americans and say it was about a film when we know it wasn't. We don't say, hey, I didn't do any of that stuff with the confidential top secret information. I didn't put us in jeopardy. There was no truth to this at all. When indeed there was truth. When indeed the FBI, the FBI under oath in Congress recognized that what she said to Congress was different than what she was saying to the FBI, i.e. she perjured herself in Congress. If I went to Congress and I perjured myself in a hearing of Congre- at Congress, would I go to jail? Do you remember the time that what we were talking about, I, oh, I want to go to Congress, I want to testify in front of Congress? Do you remember when I was calling that out? Do you guys remember that? Yes. I don't remember. What was that about? Was that about... I don't remember what that was about, but it was about something. And I'm like, oh, you don't want me to testify in front of Congress. Well, our attorneys came down hard on me and said, do not call them out. You do not want to testify. And I'm like, I got the truth on my side. They said, Glenn, they have all the rules. This is not, this is not the same as going to court. They have all the rules and they can trap you in such ways. You'll go to jail. And I'm like, but I have nothing to go to jail. I'm willing to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Glenn, they can trap you. You make one mistake and people go to jail. Okay. And they told me what a game it is. It's just a game. It's a racket. It's a game. It's a show. It's not a trial. It's a show. Well, we've learned that to be true. Because she can perjure herself in Congress, but you couldn't. How dare you do that? So is this divisive to say this? I guess it is. If you accept a world where we don't tell each other the truth, 
where you don't think the truth matters. But that's not the world I live in. And I'm sorry to many members of this audience that are mad at me about Donald Trump, but that is the same reason the truth matters. You can't have two sets of truth. You either believe these principles all the time or they're worthless. Why do them half the time? Why get yourself worked up about it if you believe in him half the time? So listen to the question from NBC and Chris Christie. You incited this uh, crowd to get on their feet Notice to talk say about incited. her, to say guilty over and over again. Do you think that is unifying the party in a way that's good for the country? Yes. Yes, I do. And I think you do, too. <laughs> and I think you do, too. Uh, are they going to ask that question of the of the stinking Democrats next week when they're doing things that are far Black worse lives, than this? Black lives matter. Black lives matter. They, they're going to have the 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 uh, mother of uh, Michael Brown up there. They're going to she's going to attack police. Come on, shut up. They're not, and they're not going to ask those questions. No, they won't. Of those who speak at the DNC. No, they won't. No, they won't. Jeez. It's... The we can't, we, we are being blessed right now because we're seeing how broken our system is, how broken our society is. And we as those who will lead in the next generation uh, or will be teaching those who will lead in the next generation are being blessed right now. Unless we get so frustrated, we give up. I've given up on the political process. I've given, up on, I've given up on a lot of things, but I haven't given up on my children. I haven't given up on your children. I, I, I will tell you that I'm pretty close to giving up on me, but I'm not close to giving up on my children. My children are the only reason I get up in the morning. They're the only reason... No, you are a reason to stay in bed. Well, I thought you. I thought we were um, you're a reason. Wow. You're a reason to load my gun. That's wow. really hurtful. Wow! Listen, wow. To did that. you just did he just threaten threaten Donald Trump again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I tell you that hurts. It yeah. does. It yeah. hurts. It does. Uh, no, but I mean, come on, guys. What gets you up in the morning to do this every day? You? Beating your head against the wall. Love you. The love of You're? doing it. No, food. shut up. The love of. I to- I will say this. Uh, there are many moments uh, which I'm doing this show talking about these issues. I mean, we're talking about cops being b- brutally right. murdered in the streets. I, it's very difficult to find joy outside of family. It is. I am, so it I, is. I, I, I've and the only reason why I continue to stand to do this, because there's a lot easier ways to make money and a lot easier ways that we could turn off the television and never talk about this stuff ever again. We can go and just go and do it, take a regular job and not worry about it. We don't do that, and most Americans don't do that. They're still plugged in because they know their children have to have a chance. And the children will be the ones that will change this. ZipRecruiter is our sponsor this half hour. When you hire somebody, you send a message to the rest of your employees. Have you ever worked for a company? Because I have. Ever worked for a a company where you're like, how does this person keep their job? I, I think... I think we've been one of those companies for a while, I mean, Jeffy. But 
Um, how does that person keep the job? And it sends a message. It sends a message to the rest of the staff. So when you hire somebody new, it sends a message. This is the kind of person that we hold up and we say, that's, that's, we have a chance to start from scratch. That's the kind of person we want here. It's really hard. Positive attitude you want to spread, the work ethic you need for your company to see, the values uh, that you uphold. These things are contagious. You need to hire the right person. And if you're a small business like we are, we, that's hard because you don't have a big HR staff. Use ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post on 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. Post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You just quickly screen the candidates and hire the right person now. Now you can do it with ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Use it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Mercury. his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck takes on some of the most pervasive lies and destroys the false promises of progressivism by taking you through its history. Get the truth in Liars, the new book by Glenn Beck. Available August 2nd. Pre-order now at glennbeck.com slash liars. I will tell you, this is a, an important book. This is a book that I urge you to have on your bookshelf. I urge you to give to your kids before they go into college. Um, Liars, How Progressives Exploit Our Fears for Power and Control. It is the history of the progressive movement, half of it is the history of the progressive movement. How, how did we get here with, the, how, how does this work? Why did these progressives think that this was a good plan? Um, how did it all come together? And the second is, psychologically, how does this work on us and how did we defeat it? And so there's some, there's some you know, behavioral science behind this. How do we stop it? And and how do we recognize it in our own selves? Liars, grab it. Bookstores and online right now. The Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Last night, it became official. Uh, Donald Trump is the nominee for the Republican Party. We also have Burgess Owens on, NFL great and author of a new book, Liberalism, How, How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. He'll join us in about a half hour. And also Ben Carson getting some heat for bringing Satan into the conversation about Hillary Clinton last night at the RNC, but... I mean, that's just kind of always in spoken when you're talking about Hillary, isn't it? I mean, I thought that was just assumed. We begin there and much more right now. 
fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Programme. Hello and welcome to the uh, programme. A couple of things I, 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 want you to, um, I want you to be aware of. First of all, Mercury One is raising funds for all of the police officers' families. We've lost another police officer, this one in Kansas City, yesterday afternoon. Um, this is going to continue, and it's only going to get worse. Um, and now is the time to show who we are and to hold up these police officers' families. I talked earlier this morning about Put yourself in the shoes of being an eight-year-old kid. And we know, because we've dealt with it now for a long time, guys who go off to war, what's happening with their families. And they, their kids are like, daddy's in war, and, and they don't know how daddy's, daddy's going to come back. And we've kind of accepted that. And by accepting that, just, you know, we dismiss it almost. We're like, well, that's a fact of it. These kids of police officers now, police officers are your friends. Police officers are the good guys. Police officers are the ones most of us, not all of us, most of us say, if you're in trouble, go find someone in a uniform. Go find a police officer. And now they've made men, been made into the bad guys. Now think of being a seven-year-old kid, your dad's a cop, and hearing the discussions about how the cops are all bad. What a mind spin that is. And then on top of it, cop after cop after cop being killed. And I've got to imagine that they're not talking about that in most homes with children, small children. And the, but the kids can sense the te- tension, and the older kids I know can hear the whispered pleadings, the whispered prayers, and the, shh, let's not talk about it now, conversations that are happening between moms and dads. Every time, if you're old enough, every time you kiss your dad or your mom goodbye as they put on the uniform... It might be the last time you see. We joke. It might be the last time. It could be hit by a bus today. These guys are being assassinated. And our president isn't doing anything about it. Nobody is. And why? Because top down, bottom up, inside out. I told you this would happen 10 years ago. Didn't know how it was going to play out. But told you there would be riots in the streets. There would be problems in the streets. And people would eventually cry out for the government to do something. And believe me, they will. If you would like to help support these families, and there's some other things that we're working on that I want to do for these police officers, I sure would love I sure love for you to donate to mercuryone.org. Um, everything that, um, uh, everything that uh, we raise, 100% goes to the families. Go to mercuryone.org. There's a couple of other stories that I, I want to share with you from this um, that came off of Facebook because there's some other people that are, that are doing things on Facebook um, I wrote something uh, last night about the, the 
officer that we lost yesterday and and how deafening the silence is. And Sheila Harrison wrote, and she said, Glenn, I live in Kansas City. I decided several days ago to join the KCPD. Now, here's a, here's a woman. She said, I joined the Army on September, for, uh, September 11, 2007, and was proud to do so. After I heard about Dallas on your program, I decided I need to join the police. I'm now working towards getting accepted by the police academy. I have two young boys, ages 4 and 16 months, and I fear for their lives in this crazy world. There has to be change somewhere, and sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see. I'm thankful for your program, The Wisdom and Insight. God bless you and your family, and God bless the police. That's amazing. That, That is actually what makes America different than the other countries, is people like that. Len, we just started a nonprofit to serve and honor our officers in southeastern North Carolina called Port City Heroes. Our vision is to serve our tri-county area law enforcement and be the bridge between the community and the law enforcement. We have our first event coming up for the fall for the local sheriff's department. We've set up a Facebook page for contributions. We're gathering individual and corporate sponsorships. That's the Port City Heroes, North Carolina Port City Heroes Facebook page. Would somebody just send a note or just remind me and I, we're going to send some stuff uh, to help them out. This is what makes us different. We were talking during the break about um, the book Liars that is coming out in about a week or two. It's available now online and I urge you to get it. Brand new book of mine. It's about the progressives. And we were talking in the break about how There are so many stories in there that you've never heard. I've never shared these on the air. I've never shared them live. You know, Pat's just finished reading the book. And uh, he keeps coming in every day going, I I, I had no idea. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to look at this from a a psychological perspective. Um, What happened to the early progressives that made them think this way? People like Margaret Sanger. Went through a super traumatic uh, incident when she was a little girl. All did. Yeah, I know. They all know. did. Um, and so she went through this this horrible um, incident as a girl, where she was the youngest of what was it, eight, Pat, uh, or the oldest of eight? I think and eleven. I was eleven. Say, I thought it was eleven, 11 kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so she is downstairs. It's at night. Dad's away, and. Uh, two hobos come to the back door, and they knock on the door. And this was a common occurrence at their house because their dad welcomed indigents all the time. Correct. Fed them, gave them something to drink, sometimes put them up for the night. Yeah, and this was at a time in the 1890s where that was another depression in yeah. the 1890s. And so they were, living, they were living on a farm just outside of the city. So what happened, and this happened during the Great Depression too, the hobos would come out of the city and they would go to the farms and try to get food. Well, so he would bring them in all the time. But when he was home, well, she, mom, looks through the window and sees that these guys are drunk and drinking and she doesn't want to let them in. And then she feels guilty because her husband would say, you didn't do the Christian thing and let them in because they were drunk and drinking. So she opens the door and they say, is your husband home? And she said, um, he's coming right back. And she just had a bad feeling about these guys. And she said, Ah, uh, no, you can't come in. She starts to close the door. Well, 
They know now she's alone. And so they force their way in. She says to Margaret, bring the kids and the dogs upstairs. And no matter what you hear, do not come downstairs until your father comes home. So Margaret is with the kids up at the top of the stairs with the dogs. And they start going through the cupboards for food and and everything else. And Margaret's mom grabs, I think, a knife, right? She grabs a knife or something. Yeah, she took a, I forget what kind of kitchen yeah. utensil. Yeah, she something she was going to. She attacked him with She it. attacked him with it. Because they were taking everything and breaking things and they didn't right. care. And they said to her, before we, after we have our fill, uh, you look like a pretty woman and we're going to have our fill of you too. And uh, that's when she starts to defend herself. Well, they beat her within an inch of her life. And she is now lying at the bottom of the stairs in a pool of blood. And Margaret, uh, and they kill one of the dogs because she calls for the dogs. The dogs come running down the stairs. They kill one of the dogs. They kick the other dog in the head, and the other dog is whimpering in the corner. They, they um, almost kill her. She's bleeding all over the floor. She's unconscious, uh, unconscious, and they leave. Well, Margaret doesn't come down for hours. Her and the kids stay at the top of the stairs because she's... She what mom said. Mom said, don't come down. No matter what happens, you wait until your father comes home. Hours later, dad comes in. Mom is barely alive. She's cold and blood has spilled out all over the floor. And he calls for the children and that's when Margaret comes down. And um, she's freaking out. And dad said, what, you know, what happened? She told her... She, he gets her stabilized, but mom never really recovers, and she dies a couple of years after that. Sick the whole time. Okay, so Margaret, it's, it's my feeling that Margaret became who she was because of that incident. Now, she wasn't saying that the family was a problem. She said the wrong families are the problem because these two indigents, remember, she thought, and so did progressives, that... If you were unemployed or you were an alcoholic, this is before AA, there was something wrong with the breeding of you, there was something wrong with the gene, and you could never amount to anything. Once you are a a hobo, you're always a hobo. Once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. And so we need to get rid of the imbeciles and the undesirables. Well, that came specifically from her seeing... Hobos come and beat her mom to death. Instead of saying, maybe dad shouldn't have opened the door for everyone or made mom feel like she was less than a woman when he wasn't home or less than a Christian when he wasn't home, if she had an instinct that said, don't open the door. She didn't, she didn't think of that one. It was just the hobo's fault. As we were talking about this today, and Jeffy, you just said a minute ago, you know, these guys and, and you know, raising money for the families or these funds or going out and, and, and standing by our police officers is what makes us different. This happened in, in the 1890s. The 1890s is when we went to free silver and we were having the same kind of problem and they wanted to go off the gold standard. And the progressive said, let's go for silver because that's every man's money. And it just tanked everything. Just everybody lost everything. And we had, what a surprise with progressives. And we had a huge depression. And um, 
and it was it was just as bad as as what happened in the 1930s. Um, but people went to each other's houses. My grandparents used to tell me stories about how the hobos, that's what they were called at the time, the guys who would ride the rails, would come from inner cities and they would go, and there was a hobo language. You should look it up. It's an amazing thing. There's this great quilt that I'm trying to convince my wife to make just because I think it's so cool. It's an old quilt, a hobo code quilt. And they had their own language. And they would spray paint things on the backs of barns and houses. And this happened to my grandparents. My grandmother would, if you would come to my grandmother's back door, she would always have food for you. And, you know, you could come in and you could eat. Well, my grandfather found during the Depression that somebody had painted an X on the back of their barn because it was facing the railroad tracks. And it was a symbol, come, they'll feed you here. But they had their own language of, of uh, things that they would paint places. Come to this house, talk about Jesus, and they'll feed you. That's how people survived during the Depression. Right, okay. And it was, it was n- n- most people were good. Most people, like, you know, the Okies, they, they were families. They were w- willing to work hard. They're willing to do anything. They, they had nothing, and they were starving to death. But our grandparents opened the doors because, A, they had the food. Right. Because they were growing it. Right. They were canning it. They had the extra on hand. And B, they didn't have this distrust. When people talk about America, what makes America great? It's the people. And as de Tocqueville said, it comes from the pulpits because we're good Christian trusting people. We're innocent. We're trusting. We hit a depression. Are we going to let people into our house? You going to open the door for anybody? If we don't, we, we'll starve to death. We'll, we'll, we'll lose everything we are. But how do you do that today? I don't know. You talk about, uh, we talked earlier about uh, some of the inner cities are the big community gardens and stuff. Yeah. That's not even close to enough food. Oh my well, gosh, no, that, that's are a, done. And how well, many, but at least people... Who farms? Do you know that, you know that there's a research I just saw yesterday? Research shows um, people who were asked 17 to 21 years old have you ever made a meal? Let alone grown. Yeah. Have you ever made yourself a meal? Ninety-one percent said no. Have you ever? <laughs> have you ever boiled Come an on. egg? Come on. Have you ever boiled an egg? Ninety-three percent said no. Of what age group? Or uh, seventeen what? to twenty-two or twenty-one. Oh, something. Like that. that means obviously. I'm sure they've that's made true. a sandwich. I'm sure they've made a microwave or right. something. But but th- th- there was no definition on it. Have you ever made yourself a meal? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let alone have you ever planted right. a garden? Do you know how a seed works? Wow. And we've gone a long time with the benefit of capitalism lowering the price of food and making hunger almost gone, extinct yeah. here. But yes. I mean, we keep reversing those policies. What happens when that actually comes back? Because the culture's changed. Yep. You know, we don't have that way to fill those gaps anymore. We do not. Online businesses are changing the way we shop. Great companies are being built without the need of brick-and-mortar stores. You don't have to go there. Manufacturing the uh, products, they cut out the wholesaler and the retail store, and they sell it directly to you from where they make it. You get a great product, and you save a ton of money. Now, this is the way Casper works, but they've done something else. They're not just making mattresses. 
they have reinvented the foam mattress. Time Magazine says that Casper is one of the best inventions of 2015. It is the most awarded mattress of the decade. You get the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept on, and it will cost you, uh, and I'm not kidding you, you you're... Your eyes will bleed when you see what you can pay for this mattress compared to what you paid for it in a store because they've cut all of that crap out. And because they don't have a store and you can't lay on it for five minutes, which is ridiculous anyway, they'll send it to your house. You lay on it for 100 nights. If you don't love it, 100% refund guaranteed. Go to Casper.com and use the promo code BECK at $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply, but it's Casper.com. The offer code is BECK for the special discount. Um, it's Casper.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Listen to the way this is written. Ted Cruz's Texas-sized political ambitions will be on full display Wednesday as the primary runner-up delivers a primetime convention speech but holds off on a full-throated endorsement of Republican nominee Donald Trump. Conservative senator repeatedly clashed with uh, Trump during a bitter primary fight, uh, was mocked as lying Ted, blah, 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 with an eye towards 2020. Cruz's team has drafted a convention speech focusing on adherence to the Constitution, calling for conservatives and perceived contrast with Trump. He has not endorsed Trump, despite pleas for party unity from the campaign and senior GOP officials, nor is he expected to in his speech, which was carefully screened by Trump campaign officials. Party unity from those people that threw him under the bus the entire time. It's amazing. I've never, I've never actually heard, I've heard a lot of Trump supporters say that he should endorse and get, we should all get over it and all of that. And I understand that a lot of people have, I've moved past uh, the, you know, the idea that Trump is the nominee and that sure. he is. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never, though, heard any Trump supporter suggest that Trump apologized for calling him lying Ted the entire no. time. I mean, again, I don't think Cruz cares about that at all. I don't think that's what his motivation is. But like, no. if if you actually wanted unity, wouldn't that be the first step? The guy who won would, would say, hey, would humble himself. Would humble himself. That's how that usually works, but uh, not not here. So Steve King said, I'm hopeful the speech rings so true and is so motivating that we think of 1976 and Ronald Reagan. Um, but just an interesting fact there, Ronald Reagan in 1976 when he spoke never endorsed Gerald Ford. And, uh, nor should he have. Nor should he have. And uh, it, no. it's interesting how it's interesting how these things can be thrown into the same article where they say you'll see his political ambitions on full display. Yeah. Well, okay. How about just doing what the man believes? The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
The Glenn Beck Program. I'm going to tell you a story about Burgess Owens. He spent his childhood growing up in the Deep South during a time when the barriers of segregation were being torn down. And he was the third black American to be offered a football scholarship at the University of Miami. He went there, got a bachelor's uh, degree in science, biology, chemistry. Uh, and then also got national recognition as the first um, uh, team football All-American. He then began playing for the New York Jets. He was traded to the Oakland Raiders. Um, he was on the defensive squad in 1981, went to the Super Bowl. Well, he's left football quite a while ago, and he has been an entrepreneur, and he's now a speaker and a writer. He is, um, he is a writer of a new book, Liberalism, or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. <laughs> he is, um, he, let, me just, let me just give you a little bit here. He says in the book, The Wizard of Oz is alive and well in 2016. As millions of black Americans watch, embrace, and now parrot the anti-police, anti-American, anti-white narrative of Black Lives Matters. They are unaware of the wizard who has been promoting this message from behind the curtain of BET. Welcome to the program, Burgess Owens. Who Thank you, Glenn. And um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. And of all the things I can say that I've accomplished in my life, I'm extremely proud American. And uh, thank, thank goodness for the opportunities to, to help our country come back. Well, we, we, need, um, we need people that can speak the truth, speak it without hatred, uh, without racism, and cut through the nonsense. Um, you are going to be demonized uh, if, if your book catches on and people start to really read it. And you, <laughs> you're really in trouble more than you probably already have been. Um, uh, let's talk about who the Wizard of Oz is. Uh, at the okay. NAACP and the curtains of BET. Okay. Well, first of all, let me just say this. Uh, uh, as you in, in, in the book, I mentioned the black conservatives and, and that I actually love our country, our race, uh, more than anything else, and freedom. And so I look forward to uh, being number one target on target list of uh, the liberals because that means I'm making a difference and uh, I'm, I'm being part of the solution for our nation. But before I get started, let me just say one, one quick thing that people need to understand about my race because what bothers me more than anything else is when white people uh, think they have to apologize for a race that has nothing to, 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 uh, to be sorry about. Uh, from 1865 to 1965, my race, the black race, was one of the most competitive, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, Christian, uh, moral uh, races in our country. Over 50% of our black Americans were nationwide part of the middle class. We had the highest percentage of entrepreneurs in the country, the highest percentage of men wow. committed to marriage in the country, and we were so competitive in our uh, black entrepreneurs that in 1932, the uh, Democrats had to put together a law called the Davis-Bacon Act to help uh, protect the white unions against us. So we have nothing, you have nothing to be apologized for, and, and, I, and I'm looking for black Americans to finally get our stride back and recognize that here in this country is the best place to get it done, and we need to, to uh, finally uh, understand that. Well, I have, to go, uh, I have to go and look up Great. those facts. And oh. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know any of that. Um, uh, okay. So well, and, and let, what let, happened? Let, let me do this. I'm, I'm, oh, go, go ahead. Me, if go ahead. You would, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead and ask a question. No, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, um, that being said, uh, where we are today, and this is where the portrayal of liberalism, and people have to understand it's been on purpose. 
with all I just said a minute ago, where we are today is 83% of black teen males are unemployed across this country. Uh, 96-70% of black men abandon their children, forsake marriage. We have illiteracy running around with 40% of black males dropping out of high school and dropping out of college. This is the end result of liberalism, and it's not an accident. In 1910, the NAACP began to stealth with 21 white socialist Marxist Atheist race control Democrats. By the way, the antithesis of Martin Luther King Sr.'s capitalist, uh, Christian, and entrepreneurial community. The only way they got into our community was through stealth, and that stealth is happening today with BET. BET is Black Entertainment Television. has not been black-owned for 15 years. It's owned by the Redstone, the Viacom, um, bought out by white, um, uh, wealthy, liberal Democrats, and has fired hose my community for 15 years with anti-white, anti-police, anti-American, anti-family, everything you see is liberalism, and you wonder why the streets now full of people totally frustrated because they have no idea that this has been personally done for their vote. They are breeding black votes as they've done for years, and that's what Democrats do best, breed black votes. So, Burgess, how do we, how do we um, heal this gap? Because... Look, I, I am willing to I'm willing to do, say, meet with anyone as long as they really as long as they're they're not trying to empower themselves, as long as we're all trying to empower people be an and honest solve broker. problems. Be an honest broker. Yeah. How do we how do we bridge this gap at all? Well, it, it's a couple of things, and, and I, I really appreciate you getting right cutting right to the chase. The first thing is that white Americans need to stop apologizing. And black Americans need to stop thinking of, of whites as oppressors. We live in the greatest country in the history of mankind with choice every single day. And once we get back to educating ourselves to the free enterprise system and understanding that, that we do not have a racial crisis, we have an ideology crisis. We have socialists, Marxists, and liberals who have hijacked my race. And by the way, if we don't make a change, what's happened to a black race the last 100 years is what's happening to our country. So I, we need to wake up. Man up, America, and stop apologizing for people that you had nothing to do with. Okay, hang on just a second. Hold on just a second. Let me let me let me just take let me just take that here for a second. Because I I believe all lives matter. Um, Yes. And and you know, but when I have said that to people who I think are fairly reasonable, but are pointing out there's real problems in the police department, et cetera, et cetera, and lean in a different direction than I do, but they're still reasonable. They will say reasonably to me. That is discounting. That is telling me you're not listening to, you know, it's, for instance, it's this. We're all sitting around. Ten of us are sitting around a table. And we all have a piece of pie except for you, Burgess. And you say, um, guys, I, 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 I don't have a piece of pie. And then all of the other people look around the table and go, I know, we all need pie. Well, yeah. Yeah, no, but I, I'm saying I don't have pie. I know we all need pie. But you're not hearing me. I don't have a piece of pie. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to say, look, yes. That's a good analogy. I, yeah, I understand. I understand that you. what you're trying to say to me is you agree that all lives matter. But there's a problem here with in, in some s- scenarios with the police department or whatever. And I'm willing to sit down and listen to you. And I'm willing to recognize and, and do whatever I need to do to bridge the gap to bring us together. But can we do that now? 
I, I had one Black Lives Matter um, grandmother. She was about f- maybe maybe 50 or 60 years old. And she said, uh, she said, you have to talk to the youth. She said, because I don't even know who they are. And the woman sitting yeah. next to her said, mm-hmm. She said, they, they are so screwed up. I'm afraid of our, our next generation of youth. They don't have any of the same values. Well, Glenn, you know, I tell you, there's a, there's a problem we have that goes way, back, way beyond the conversation you and I are having right now, and that is how, we do, how do we get to where we are? You see, there's a party that, that strives, that, that moves ahead based on black misery. When you look at the policies that have been put in place by Democrats and that are supported by the royalty black class, the, the black elitists, the Davis-Bacon Act, which they refuse to take off the board, which, which keeps black entrepreneurs from competing in the cities, anti-school choice, which keeps our poor kids dumb and not be able to think and dependent, the minimum wage, which keeps our young teenagers from actually ever getting a job, 83% of black teens should be a big deal for everyone. No one can't believe those kind of numbers, and yet we're not talking about it. And then, of course, the welfare, which actually decimated our, our, our family unit, took, took the men out of the household. We get back to the problem. The problem is that, yes, the pie is off the table for blacks, but who took the pie off? The Democrats. Because the, the Democrats want blacks to look to them to get every piece of crumb that they can possibly get and repay with their, repay them with our votes. And they continue to keep us miserable to keep their power. How do you so, get that? How do you get that? Uh, how do you get that message across to the black community, though, Burgess? Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. Options like this: we have, we have. Uh, the good news is this: we have 28 percent of black Americans who hold the same values that I do, and this this is to me very exciting. They believe in our country. They love their God. They love their community, and they want their kids to grow up better. And I'll, I'll, what we need to do is become political free agents. As black Americans, we need to, as Catholics, let's stop voting with socialists. If you're truly a Christian, if we truly are a Christian, how can a Christian ever vote for an atheist? If we believe in educating our poor kids, we need to stop voting for those people, get in there and kick out and, 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 and enslave our kids in these terrible schools. And if we truly believe in the sanctity of life, then we cannot vote for the Margaret Singers out there who believe our kids are weak. When those 28% of Americans stop becoming part of the 90% of blacks who vote for Democrats, it's going to change the political landscape. We can finally become political free agents, which I talk about in this book, and make the Democrats earn our vote and make the Republicans earn our vote. And in that process, the values that we hold true to will become the values that will pull the black community back from the, black, from the abyss and our, and our country. Glenn, I think that the small group of black Americans whose ancestors were once slaves in this country can be the salvation for our nation by pulling, by pulling us back from uh, from the from the abyss of socialism, and I'm Look, excited I, about I, being part of that process. I I will tell you that um, you know I've read up from slavery, and I think if if every white child and black child in the nation read up from slavery, uh, without the new modern uh, disclaimer from I think Harvard that says we're not even sure if any of this is true, um, it, it would change the dynamics on everything because you understand that you as an individual. Have everything that you need, and no matter who stands in your way, you can make it with hard work and with decency and and honor. Um, and we're just a million miles away from that. Well, I, I tell you what was important for my my growing up in the great great segregated community I grew up in is we still held true to the uh, Shavia Christian values that our country was built on. 
And if you if you believe in that, then we should not be having any kind of conversation about black lives or white lives. All lives matter if we truly believe in the concept that we have that this country was built upon. And if we believe it also, we realize that no one can stop us if we have the right sources and the right strength behind us. No no man can stop us. So we have to get back to our, to our, our foundation, uh, bring those to accountable. And I'll say this, Glenn, if I can say this real quickly, there's a royalty black class politicians. Uh, they have proved themselves to be totally inept. I played with Joe Namath and Jim Plunkett, two great quarterbacks, and we all had to retire when we, become, when we became un- unproductive. Every one of those guys, John Lewis, Elijah Cummins, the entire uh, black uh, uh, caucus, needs to retire in mass today. They're proven they're totally inept. Uh-huh. They're, where we are today is because they cannot do their job. They are, they are so in, in, they're so committed to liberalism, to mm-hmm. socialism, to, to their class that they have put our race down. And we need to have those guys retire. If they don't retire, let's put them out of business, black uh, guys. Let's black and whites together. Pull these tough people out who do nothing but uh, prosper on our misery. Um, I, I don't know if um, Burgess, um, uh, you know, if you'd like to take us up on this offer, but I'd love to have you here in the studio. I'd love to spend a lot more time with you on radio and television because I think you you need to be uh, heard. And I, your book is uh, is riddled with facts that uh, that I don't know. And I, you know, my only problem with your book is it says liberalism, and it's actually progressivism that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the progressive agenda that is that is in here and the facts of progressives. I mean, I just wrote a book on progressives, and I don't know some of the facts that are in your book, um, and it's it's tremendous. Uh, so we'd love to have you back and have you in studio with us, if you if you don't mind. And, I, and Glenn, I would love to. And if I could just say this, uh, there the wizard the wizard for BT is Viacom. That's Phil Dahman, Cherry Redstone, the board of directors of, of Viacom. I would love to have them part of this 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 this, this conversation. We're back, we're bantering mm-hmm. back and forth when the people begin this the seed of distrust Great. and hatred uh, are sitting in, in the area towers. Let's have them stand before the American people, explain to us what they think of Black Lives Matter. Um, Bert, before you go, Burgess, I know, I know uh, you probably have already apologized for this, but would you like to now publicly say how sorry you are for defeating the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see my head explode, by the way? My very first chapter is The Greatest Generation. I hope people read that chapter. They will fall in love with my race. They will fall in love with my, my parents and my, my parents' parents. That's great cool. Americans who love this nation. And um, really, and I, if I may just put words in your mouth because we have to run, uh, hated the Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> too, strangely. <laughs> so anyway, Burgess Owens, the name of the book, Liberalism or How to Turn Good Men into Whiners, Weenies, and Wimps. Burgess Owens. It's available everywhere, wherever books are store, uh, sold. And, uh, and Burgess, we hope to have you back here in studio and spend the day with you because you're fascinating. We'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now this. Any more vacation plans before the end of summer? Home burglaries skyrocket during the summer because you're gone. Uh, Right now, security companies will lock you and they're going to give you a free, they're going to give you a free security system. All you have to do is put the sign in the yard. Oh, and then you have to sign this contract that locks you into 40, 30, uh, 40, 50, $60 a month. Well, you've paid for that security system. And for two years. Yeah. You've paid for it a hundred times over by the end of the contract. Um, and that's how they get you because with Simply Safe, you buy the you buy the system. It's state of the art. There's no wiring in it. It is it's so inexpensive 
because it's new technology and you put it in. 15 bucks a month. And it's $15 a month for the monitoring. You're saving a ton of money. It is a smart way to do it. uh, And it is the new most effective way to take care of your home. And there's no contract. So you want the monitoring one month because you're going to be gone. You don't want it the next. That's fine. Go to simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Save 10% right now. Simplysafebeck.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. That's what everybody's been telling me, and they told me to keep that a secret. Welcome to the uh, program. Uh, glad you're uh, glad you're with us. Um, police officer rushed to the hospital yesterday afternoon in Columbus, Ohio. He was taken to Grant Medical Center by his partner at approximately 3 p.m. He went in, ordered a sandwich. Somebody put broken glass in it. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 